we read together to remind us of where we are going, that is towards Jesus, allowing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God to form a fidelity of allegiance to him alone. Please read aloud with me as we confess this together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, global, and apostolic church. We believe in the forgiveness of sins proclaimed in water baptism. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Faith Church. Thanks for reading that out nice and strong. Man, what a great day celebrating these baptisms and all these wonderful things. You might be sitting there, hey, I, I'd like to get baptized myself, or I'm considering that. Our next baptism will be on Easter Sunday in April, and uh, you can sign up for that if you're interested in it on the Central Hub It'll walk you through some of the steps and uh, the process to um, get involved and get connected with that. And uh, just two other quick reminders. Uh, there was in our Next Step video kind of sharing some ways that you can take some steps in your own faith. Um, number one, if you have not been a part of Growth Track, if you've not gone through Growth Track, um, that begins next Sunday. The first Sunday of the month is step one, second Sunday of the month, step two. Uh, third Sunday of the month is step three. Happens during this 11 o'clock service in our growth track room. And uh, you can RSVP ahead of time for that on our central hub. And then finally, uh, this Wednesday is first Wednesday prayer. Uh, we dedicate the first Wednesday each uh, month to come together to pray and to worship. And we spend some time individually, but also corporately here in the sanctuary, worshiping and celebrating and uh, kind of just seeking God, putting him first in our month. And so uh, really want to encourage you, if you've never been, come this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, you will walk away having been enriched for that time. Hey, if you have a copy of Scripture, whether digital or printed, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1 is where we're going to begin in a minute. And if you have your mobile device, you can go to faithchurchks.org. And there's a card there that says Sermon Notes. And uh, you can follow along and see the notes there, the main points. They'll be up on our big screens as well. But there's a spot where you can kind of take your own notes on the phone and email them to yourself so you can review them through the week if you would like to do that. We've been in this collection of sermons 
here in this new year uh, entitled Mindset Matters 2.0. 2.0, we have these mindsets as a church that are really our core convictions and values that help navigate, govern, and point us in a direction as a body. Things that we hold in high, high value for us as a people, as a family, as a body of believers. And that's what we've been walking through. We've been talking about these mindsets. Let me catch you up in case you missed any of these installments. In the first one, we talked about how we are rooted. And we're rooted holding fast to a simple message of Jesus, to scriptural orthodox doctrine. In other words, the things that we believe, we're not making up as we go along. The things that we believe aren't new thoughts and new ideas because somebody had some aha moment and they're like, I think this is what it all means. No, no. We are rooted into some orthodox, ancient, historical things that meant in the beginning what they've always meant. And we are rooted in God's word. If it doesn't line up with scripture, then we don't hold it in high value for our lives as something that we submit our lives to. And we're also rooted in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something about the ethos of who we are, people being animated and moving through the Spirit. We said in, in the second week that we are for people. We are for people, that we are expanding our circle, making more room for people to belong. We believe this is a place that you belong. We want to love each other like Jesus says to love each other. And we want to make room in our hearts. We want to make room in our prayers, make room in our schedules. We, we might learn in rows on Sunday, but we gather in circles during the week with other believers and small groups. And we are always willing to expand our circle, not just to be familiar with somebody, not just to be friendly with somebody, but to develop some fellowship with the people around us. And that takes us going out of our way, being willing to make room for more people. It's a mindset that we have. And in the third week, we said that we are together. We are unified. We are together and, and we are being united and unified as God-honoring, joyful, generous, humble contributors. We don't show up and consume. We're not here to just spectate and be entertained, but we recognize as a people that we want to unite together in our own contribution to be generous, in our contribution to bring joy to the other people around us, in our contribution to, to rally together and be God honoring in our lifestyle and the way in which we go about doing things. And we said last week that we are focused. We're focused. We prioritize a few things. They get our time, our, our attention, our talents, our skill, our treasure. We're focused on some things. We prioritize prayer. That's why First Wednesday is so important to us as a church. It's one of the things that we would encourage you to put it on your calendar Set it as a reoccurring event every month on the first Wednesday so you never miss it. It never creeps up on you. The first Wednesday of every month, we're going to gather and we're going to pray. We're going to seek God. At the end of every service, we have a prayer team that's available in the prayer spot. My left, your right. We named it the prayer spot because we wanted it to be really obvious. If I need prayer, there's one spot you know you can go to. The prayer Spot. I mean, we're just trying to make it really simple, y'all. I don't want to complicate it. I don't ever want us to feel shamed, guilty, or worried if we should go get prayer. If you need prayer, go get prayer. 
every person, if you follow Jesus for two minutes or 27 years, you come to moments in your life, you need someone to pray with you and over you. So go to the spot and let us pray with you. At the end of every service, we're there to pray with you. We prioritize prayer. We prioritize discipleship. Disciples know God through his word, practice the way of Jesus, and lead others to do the same. This is what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. Baptism is kind of like the celebration of the starting point. Someone's made a decision to follow Jesus and to begin their journey as an apprentice to who Jesus is. And so we, we were resourcing and helping you go along. We've got these Bibles, these Fresh Start Bibles. Last week we talked about uh, why we're using these Bibles and giving them away and selling them. If you can afford one, they're really not that expensive. Um, but they're available out there in the lobby. These Fresh Start Bibles. Because we, we uh, launched last week something on our website called the Fresh Start Pathway. With 52 videos broken up into eight different theme segments with questions that go along with, um, and they're found all here at the beginning of the Fresh Start Bible, that are going to help every person have a fresh foundation for their faith to be built upon. And also for you to walk with someone else through the pathway, helping them establish a foundation of their faith. Why? Because we're disciples who make disciples. My, my hope is that every person a part of Faith Church would, would walk through that and know what that pathway looks like and learn the things and lay a fresh foundation. Even if you've been following Jesus your whole life, have a fresh start and a fresh foundation, just go through it. Why? Because my real hope is that every year you would make it your personal goal to walk with at least one other person through that pathway who's never been through it. Because there are people that you work with, there are people in your family, there are friends who need Jesus and need to know what it looks like to follow Jesus, and we want to give you a resource to help you to lead them through it. That's my goal, that's my hope. Why? Because discipleship really matters. And then we have, we partner in outreach. That's our third priority that we have. And so we have local and global partners that we give to generously, that we serve alongside and um, help them fulfill the mission that God has called them on as we together are able to expand our reach because we can prioritize in those things. Today, I want to talk to you about the last one, that we are advancing. Will you say that with me? We are advancing. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 1. This is, this is what it says. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Paul is writing from prison. He's in chains, dictating to someone else who is scribing it out. And these are some of, this is his letter. And uh, Ephesians 4 verse 1 is where we're going to kind of pick up in this letter. It says this, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Friends, I want you to know you have been called by God. There is a calling and an assignment on your life. You know what part of that assignment is? To be a follower of Jesus, an apprentice, a disciple who helps make disciples. It's calling that we are all 
called to. We've been called and brought into his family, sons and daughters of God. Those of us who have given our faith and surrendered our life to him, we're following after him. We are part of the family of God. And, and there's a calling that he's placed on our lives. There is a, a corporate calling for us as a church, but there are some individual assignments and some specialty things. There are some things that God has placed in your path and burdened in your heart and things that he's doing within you, you have been called. Verse two, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. <laughs> Isn't it good to know that the apostle Paul wasn't gonna be caught off? He's like, hey, listen, you're gonna screw it up. And when you do, would you just be gracious to one another? I don't know if I find it comforting that he knows that we're going to mess up or if I should feel a little like, how do you know I'm going to? I don't know. I think that the reality is we all can take a little bit of comforting and know we're going to blow it sometimes. There are moments where our faith isn't going to be strong. There are moments when we're not acting like Jesus, but we're acting like something else. And he says, make allowance, be gracious with each other because of your love. Verse three, make every effort, every effort, to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. There is a grace and a gift given to you by Christ Jesus to help you fulfill the calling that he's assigned you to do. Can we pray as we dive into this this morning? Lord, we thank you for your word that is true. Lord, I pray over the next few moments you would give us eyes to see, see your son Jesus. God, would you give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying through this text, and what you're doing in our midst as a church and a body. Lord, would you allow us to have a heart tender and soft and ready to receive the truth of your word being taught today? Lord, I take a moment and I just confess my complete dependence on you. Lord, would you help me to communicate the things that you've put in my heart to communicate? As I stand before your people today, may you be honored and glorified as we study your word together. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I believe that there is a new frontier of faith that we must continue to pursue and begin advancing towards as a family of God, as the people of God. Now, I don't believe that this is some new invention of faith. It's not some new idea. No, we're rooted in some orthodox understanding of some things. I'm not believing that God is asking us as a church to discover and learn what a quote-unquote new normal looks like. I don't believe that's the goal. I do believe, though, that there is a renewal and a renaissance that God wants to do in our hearts as followers of Jesus. I believe that we are living in a moment that we don't need to pioneer some new brand of Christianity, some new doctrines, some new denominations, some new way of doing things. It's not about the externals in that 
way. I believe that we're not pioneering this brand of faith, but rather we are experiencing a deep renewal of our faith in the midst of a cultural frontier that we cannot ignore. I believe that we have a world around us that is growing increasingly post-Christian. I believe that we are drifting towards landfall in a biblical exile, living in a digital Babylon, as it's been phrased. I believe that we're living in a time and a season that we don't need to look and strive for some new sense of normal, of convenience of our lives, but I believe that we need to be willing to shift into gears and advance into this new frontier of faith that is awaiting the people of God that creation itself is groaning and longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed as Paul writes to the Roman church. I think this is part of why as a church, our theme this year, you've been around here for a little while, you know every, every year we, we take some time and we really lean in and say, God, what are you asking of us as a church? What is it that you're wanting to do in our midst? What's the, what's the theme that you would have us move in the direction of? What do you want us to study and learn and grow in as, as a church? And this year, our theme is this idea of faith 2.0. A renewal of disciples who make disciples. I, I believe that this renewal and this renaissance of our faith in Jesus is a must if we are going to advance into a new frontier of this world and this understanding that we're living in. We don't need to sit back in idle and just waiting for normal to show up again. I think it's time that we gather ourselves, awaken, arise the spirit within us, anchor to the truths, rooted in the truths of what God is saying, commit ourselves and up the ante in our conviction and our commitment to follow Jesus despite the inconvenience or the comforts that we leave to the side. I believe that it's time to walk into this new frontier of faith. And as a church, it's important that our mind gets set because it matters. Our mindset matters. And this mindset that I want to talk about today is this one, that we are advancing. We are advancing, being propelled by gratitude, expectation, our spiritual practices, and a humble unity. We are advancing. We are advancing. Now, I was going to take the most of time in the message today and walk you through what these things are, gratitude, expectation, and spiritual practice, and this unity. I was going to really unpack it and walk you through scripture and teach you all of these things, but as I was studying this week, I really felt like the Lord wanted me just to really share with you some of my own burdens and prayers that I feel for us locally as a church. So I want to do that here in just a minute, but just for sake of clarity, I think we're living in a day and an age where it's important that we define the terms. Uh, not the terms of the arrangement or the agreement, but we define the words that we use because anybody today is finding itself super easy to just grab a word and apply it in any way that they want to apply it. But sometimes words mean certain things, right? And sometimes those words need to remain the meaning of those words. And we, we're not Webster. We don't get to rewrite that. 
And so I wanted to find some of these terms. What do I mean by gratitude? Here's what I mean by gratitude. I mean the specific praise and thanks that we give God. Gratitude keeps us fighting the inclination to have entitlement as our attitude. It is so easy to live entitled, isn't it? To, to even creep, let it creep into our theology of faith to think that God owes us something. Because we prayed the right prayer, we found a verse and we quoted it 17 times, that somehow God has entitled something to us. No, I think that gratitude ought to ground us in a way that is specific and clear so that our gratitude can release within us a perspective of heaven. I think gratitude allows us to, to go against the natural inclination to feel that we're entitled to something, even entitled within our faith to something. But instead, we sit with this gratitude of our hearts. I, I think when we, when we live with gratitude, it, it shows up in our worship. When at the end of worship, the team says, hey, would you just take a minute and say thanks to God that you are not for a lack of words because you know exactly what you get to give God thanks for. I think gratitude, and gratitude like propels us. It's like one side of the train track that moves us into the new frontier, the wild, wild west of faith, I believe, right? Like it's, it's one side of the track. The other side of the train that moves us is expectation. Expectation and gratitude, expectation and gratitude. It moves us down the track of our faith as we pursue Jesus. What do I mean by expectation? I believe expectation is something born from God's word. It is a confident hope in God, not results. It's a confident hope in God, not, not not, not, not results. It's a confident hope uh, that it is our expectation. Listen, it's not a list of our demands of God, but rather it's a posture and a desire to have the perspective of heaven. And the perspective of heaven is it's possible. It's possible to remain faithful when everyone else is cursing God. It's possible to remain faithful. It's possible to raise children in a way that allows them to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength because they have parents who decided to prioritize loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's possible. And our expectation is not on our results. Our expectation isn't shaken by, by anything. Our expectation is that God is going to come through. It is a future hope, Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 4. Uh, yeah, verse 4. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope, expectation for the future. It's not just that we would get to heaven one day and we'd survive in the sweet by and by, that we've punched our ticket and we're gonna get to heaven when we die. But it is a confident hope and an expectation that the kingdom of God would show up everywhere you go and I go. It's not just enough that we would punch the clock of our church duty and we would punch the clock in our giving and we would punch the clock, okay, I serve today. No, no, that there's a confident hope and expectation, not in a result that would change, that whether I am suffering, I can stay steady in my hope with God. 
And whether I am soaring high and experiencing the greatest victories of my life, I am still steadfast and unmoved, not in a selfishness of me that I deserve something, but of a confident hope that God is God. It's an unshakable hope. My expectation, it doesn't matter if there's 13 seconds left on the clock. I got an unshakable hope, friends. I'm trying to pep you up, get ready for the game this afternoon. Just got to watch with a little more faith, friends. We have this expectation. It's gratitude. It's expectation. And then it's our spiritual practice. Our spiritual practice. What is that? That's our activity daily that we choose that helps us abide and ultimately bear fruit as followers of Jesus. Why? Because you are the sum accumulation of the habits that you keep. There's a daily practice. We spent all of 2021 talking about your practice. In the book, Live No Lies, author John Mark Comer defines practice this way. He says, by practice, I mean the disciplines by which we mitigate the isolation and the lies of the devil in our secular society with the spirit and truth of Jesus and his kingdom. By spiritual formation, it is the process by which we are being formed in our spirits, in our inner persons, into the image of Jesus, or conversely, deformed into the image of the devil. Formation occurs in one of two ways. And your spiritual practice, your daily pattern of living, what you give your time to, what you give your attention to, what you give your affection to, what you go to when life is squeezing you, what you do on a daily routine will help you be formed into the ways of God or deformed into the ways of the enemy in the world in which we live. But there is a new frontier of faith that we must move into and it requires spiritual formation. And we are gonna be propelled by having practices of faith that develop a confident hope in what God is gonna do that he is God and we are not. And we can have hope in that. But then also a humble unity. What do I mean by humble unity? I mean it is an act of love, not weakness. Humility and unity are not acts of weakness. Men, it's not weakness to be humble. It's not weakness to walk in unity. Ladies, it is not a weakness to walk in unity. It is not a weakness to walk in humility. Humility doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves, devaluing us, lowering the standard. No, humility just means that we think of ourselves less often. Humility and unity, listen to me, is something that we do because Scripture commands the people of God to do it. Look, we read earlier, Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul, he says, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. In other words, don't lower your standard to please the people around you. Recognize that you're called to live at a different standard, so don't lower the standard, stick with it. You have a calling, live worthy of it. Always be humble and gentle. You know what that word always means in Greek? 
always. It means when you're having a great day, be humble about it. It means when you don't feel like it. And you got to give somebody a piece of your mind. Always. Humble and gentle. Not passive aggressive. G- gentle. Not, not manipulative. Gentle. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Some of us just need to start with being patient with ourselves. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for other people to screw it all up, to mess it up, to offend you, to get mad at you, to be angry with you, to not do something very loving or forgiving. Give room, expect it, it's gonna happen. Make room for other people to be following God and to fall and stumble down. Make room for it. Have some humility and some unity. Listen, the Bible says in in Psalms 133 that where the brothers and sisters live and dwell in unity, there God commands his blessing. You know what his blessing is? It's not more money. You know what his blessing is? It's not a, a bigger house. You know, I believe the blessing of the Lord is something that brings us true happiness and joy. Don't miss this. The blessing that Psalms 133 is talking about is God's spirit freely moving among the people of God. That's the blessing. Where, where, we, where you live in unity, God says, I'll let my presence live there. Where there isn't unity, the Bible says there is chaos and disorder. There is every evil work. You can have the presence of God and be blessed or allow the activity of the enemy to control your, your, your culture and your environment. And the difference the game changer, the, 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 the one that turves the valve one way or the other, unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Friends, I think it's time that we advance into this new season, into a new frontier, if you will, of faith. I, I don't know what the, the next 20 years looks like. I don't know what it looks like for people who follow Jesus. But we're not going to sit back and wait. We're going to make the most of every opportunity to honor God and love God. I want to be a person who makes the most that my life reflects the image and the nature and the likeness of Christ. Here's my prayer for us as a church. Three prayers that I'm praying for us. One, I pray that we would advance in our gentleness towards others. Friends, the people that you work with, the people that you work for, people you go to school with, the people who are working in the healthcare industry, people who are driving the supply trucks, the parent who's always late, the mom who decides to label herself a hot mess, the dad who's disinterested and disengaged, Can we just be gentle with them? Can can we be gentle with the people who are around us? Can can we as a church be gentle? I think we have to be careful. There is an element of our faith that requires us to look clearly at the realities of our world 
and draw a contrast with what we're seeing and what we know God says to be true. We have to be willing to to have a good God-honoring critique of our world. My problem, uh, that's going to get really strong, Lord help me. Uh, My concern is what I'm seeing from the people of God. It's not that we are critiquing, it's that we're criticizing. And you keep reading in Ephesians 4 what God says to do with the words that come out of your mouth. And the words that come out of your mouth, if they are harsh and cruel and criticism of other people who may or may not be in the wrong, it is the lack of gentleness with our words. The Bible says it grieves the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit shrinks back, hurts his heart. I ain't got enough power or strength to do this without the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure my words are living in a way, not where I'm coloring everything beautiful and positive. And I, I, there's room for critique, but not a critical spirit. Not a critical spirit. And you have to check your heart, and I have to check my heart. And my prayer is that we would not allow a critical spirit to run in our world or run in our lives, but rather we would advance towards other people with gentleness, not advance towards them to cancel them because they did us wrong one time. It's too easy to no longer, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people and they're like, oh no, you can't trust that guy. I would would never go there. I would never do that. You can't believe them. You can't trust them. And we don't give people a second chance, third. We don't give people enough chances in this world. I I think it's just time. I, I don't think that we need to be foolish. I just think that we need to be not so quick to cancel entire things and people and organizations and leaders. We ought to be willing to give them a little more grace and always be gentle and humble. I pray that we would be a church that is marked by our gentleness. Not losing and lacking our convictions. We're not called to be weak. We are called to live with some humble unity. I think gentleness comes from a soft heart. And I think our hearts can only be soft when we live with gratitude that brings us into the presence of God. Because when you're in the presence of God, your heart begins to marinate in the character of God. This is why you need to be a worshiper. This is why you need to be a person that sings and worships God during the week. This is why you need to be a person that when we gather as a church, that we don't just stand there and sing, but we engage with our whole heart, body, and mind in how we worship. We clap. We lift our hands. We get on our knees. We close our eyes, not because there's something holy about closing our eyes. We close our eyes so that we're not concerned with other people and our focus is in one direction. And we lift our hands because the Bible says to. And we clap because the Bible says to. It doesn't say if your personality fits. It just says this is what it looks like to worship God. And when you worship God, the inhabiting presence of God shows up. And when God's presence shows up, you find joy. And where you find joy, you will actually find the strength of God. And without the joy of the Lord, you have no the strength of God. This is a worshiping church. We are going to be gentle because we are people of the presence of God, allowing God to tenderize our own heart in his presence. Because it's in his presence I become keenly aware of my inadequacies, which lead me to behold his holiness and beauty and allow him to do a work in my heart. I pray that we would be a praying, uh, a church of gentleness towards others. Here's the second prayer I have. I pray that we would advance in our allegiance to Jesus. Our allegiance to Jesus. No one else 
gets that full fidelity other than Jesus. He would have our loyalty because of what we believe about him. There would be nothing that goes above that in our lives. This, this faith, this commitment, this loyal belief in God. We wouldn't add other things to it, but we would recognize that we are ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 says this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought Christ merely from a human point of view. Oh, how differently we know now. Christ wasn't just some mere human, was he? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Somebody say 2.0. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, the calling, don't miss it, of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, oh, would you come back to God? For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we who were full of sin could be made right with God in Christ the offering of our sins so that we could be made right in that way with Christ. We are ambassadors. What is an ambassador to do? An ambassador is sent to a foreign place to represent the interests, the opinions, and the perspective of another ruling nation. We are ambassadors on this earth for heaven. Not trying to escape and go back to the heavenland but to bring heaven everywhere we go. We are ambassadors. This is what the new 2.0 you is supposed to do. So for those of you who have experienced salvation, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you've said yes to following him, you are not here on this earth any longer under the old assignment. What was the old assignment? Have fun, do whatever you want, live selfishly, make a mess. If it feels good, do it. Do it your way right away now. Like, just, just go with it, go with the flow, do what everybody else is doing, live whatever feels good, do it. If it feels right, it must be right. Your truth is your truth. That was the old you. If somebody offends you, write them off and cancel them. If they don't forgive you, give them the single salute and move on. Self-control, it's a fruit of the Spirit. But the new you, the one reconciled to Christ, the 2.0 operating system of your life, 
is to recognize that you're an ambassador of heaven. You're not here representing your perspective. You're not here representing your political persuasion. You're not here representing your own preference. Your own version of what Christian looks like. You're here representing the interests, the priorities, and the perspective of your king. His name is Jesus. That's our assignment. We're ambassadors. We're not just merely... No, no. He's given us an authority to represent him in the world in which we live. The question is, are we following through on that assignment? Or have we turned our ambassadorship into our own self-interests? And we've lost sight of what the king values the most. I pray that we would advance in our allegiance to Jesus, not an allegiance to our own comforts not an allegiance to our own way of doing things, not an allegiance to our own comfort. Paul was writing from a prison. And he says, I'm continuing to preach the gospel from here. And I hope that you will remain faithful and loyal. When times get tough, that don't give up your allegiance. Stick through what it means to be someone who's an ambassador of heaven. Because we're called to be people who make, God is trying to make his appeal through us. What's his appeal? Friends, you need to be reconciled in relationship with God. That's the appeal. You don't have to be bound by sin. You can be set free from your sin and walk in a new life that brings eternal blessing. You don't have to be isolated. You can live in the family of God. This is the appeal he's making through us to the world, which leads me to my third prayer us as a church. I pray that we would advance in personal repentance. That when we mess it up, we would be quick to say, God, I repent. That it wouldn't just be a sense of sorrow alone. Sorrow is a part of it. Biblical repentance is a changing of your mind that leads to a different direction that you walk in. That's repentance. Repentance is I was going this way. I was gossiping about my friends. I was lying at work. I was stealing. I was cheating. I was living my own ways. I was defining sexuality on my terms. I was doing all of these things, trying to earn my way and do enough good instead of bad, trying to weigh the balances of heaven and recognize that's the wrong way of thinking. That doesn't work. I need a savior. And I turn and I fix my attention and I move in another direction. And as I move in this direction, there is a communion with Christ available to you. There is a connection, a relationship with God himself on the other side of your repentance, on the other side of your turning away from that life, from that perspective, that opinion, that, that approach, that sin, that habit, that action. When you turn away, there is immediately a closeness that is reunited with Christ. With our repentance comes a life of communion with Jesus we receive his holiness. It's not just a one-time moment of repentance where we get the new operating system. That's part of it. That's the repentance that leads us to salvation. But sometimes as we walk with the Lord, God has already made allowance for your mistakes, just like he's asked us to make allowance for others' mistakes. 
know what that, that allowance was? That forgiveness was and always will be available to any who would call on it and ask for it. So when you mess up, I pray that we would advance in our repentance. Not that we would advance in our dismissing of the mistake, of our dismissing of our sin, our dismissing of ignoring what God has asked of us to do. Not that we would ignore it and diminish it and downplay it like it's not a big deal, but rather we would acknowledge, no, that's, that's breaking the heart of God. And we repent and return back to God because on the other side of your repentance is a close communion awaiting you with God. For those of you who've been walking with Jesus for a while, but lately you haven't been able to open the word and feel like, man, I'm reading the Bible, but there's like nothing happening. I come into the presence of God, I lift, I sing, I go through the motions, but it doesn't feel like there's a connection with God. Those of you that go to pray and you feel like, I, man, I feel like I'm hearing God speak. I used to hear him speak, but I don't hear him speak anymore. Something feels off. It's possible, perhaps even probable, that there's some sin that you have not repented of that has put a kink in your connection to the Father. And he actually wants to restore that communion and connection. All it takes is you repenting, confessing the sin, changing your mind about that, that, that belief, that lifestyle, that pattern, and moving in a new direction. And his forgiveness, that connection is restored. That high-speed internet kicks back up from heaven. And all of a sudden, the download from heaven goes without any glitch or hiccup. Is it possible? I pray that we would advance as people who are quick to repent. Would you stand with me? I want to come to the table of the Lord. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of my heart today as we get ready to move into this new season. And I'm not sure what it looks like. I really, I really don't. I just know that there is something that God is renewing in our hearts, and I refuse to miss out on it. So as a church, we want to advance in that direction. If you have your communion elements, would you grab them and kind of open up the top layer? Grab the wafer, hold on to it, then go ahead and open up the next layer and have the juice there. Those of you that are watching online, hopefully you've got some elements there in the house that you could grab and use. And um, This is something that we do every week. We come to the table of the Lord. It's called Eucharist. It's the communion. The word Eucharist means give thanks. Gratitude. Gratitude. But what are we giving thanks and gratitude for? The bread represents his body, which was broken on the cross. The juice represents his blood that was poured out, which brings forgiveness and removal of our sin. So when we come and we give thanks for the work that God has done, we're giving thanks to him asking him to allow us to restore the connection, don't miss this, and the communion that we can have with God, the fellowship, the relationship with God. That's what we're doing when we come to the table of the Lord. Would you bow your heads? And just in this moment, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Maybe there's some things that you need to repent of. I'd, 
encourage you to take a minute and just confess that to the Lord. Acknowledge it. Some of you, you've never given your life, you've never made the decision to surrender and follow Jesus. And today you're saying, no, I want to I want to give God my whole heart. I want to surrender and follow him. I'd encourage you as soon as we're done, go talk to our prayer team. They want to pray with you and help you take some first steps in following Jesus. What does that mean? What does that look like? We want to help you. For all of us, I pray that this moment would be a moment of commitment to say, God, we want to advance into the future that you have for us. Full of faith, gentleness, legion, repentance. Lord, that's our prayer today. We just want to say thank you for sending Jesus, for making a way for us to be reconciled with you. Through what you did at the cross, your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body represented by this bread. We receive it with gratitude today. Let's take the bread. Lord, we say thank you for what you did at the cross, your blood being poured out, which purchased and made way for us to be forgiven. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take the cup together. So just hang on to those cups here in a minute. When we dismiss, our host will be there to collect those cups, and you can dispose of them on your way out. May I pray a blessing over you? today. Father, I just pronounce blessing over your people today. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious to them? Lord, would you lift your countenance towards us, allowing us to experience your delight and your love over us? Lord, would you bring us your peace this week? I pray that everywhere we go, we would be reminded that we are reconciled and radically loved by you. May we live out your kingdom by being ambassadors everywhere we go. I pray these things in the name of the Father who loves us, in the name of the Son who died for us, in the name of the Spirit who lives and animates our life within us. We say amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.